0: Here's the New Cold War podcast with Edward Lucas. Putin's history essay requires a rewrite. As I wrote in mid-June 2020, the Russian leader's revisionist take on the wartime past is self-serving and partial. The statue epitomised imperialism, humiliation, repression and lies. The authorities first tried hiding it from view, but public demand was unstoppable. After heated debate and repeated vandalism, including dangling a mocking string of sausages over it, a crane took the hated bronze figure away. But this was not a statue of a Western slave driver, but of a Soviet occupier. It depicted Ivan Koniev, in Russian eyes still a wartime hero, but for the Czechs, an occupier, who masterminded Soviet post-war repression in Eastern Europe. Erected in Prague by the country's communist-era puppet rulers, it stood not for liberation but enslavement. Its fall in April was part of a row about the past that has turned Vladimir Putin into an obsessive amateur historian. During an hour-long speech at an international summit in Moscow in December, he read his baffled guests lengthy extracts from a pile of archival documents – In the run-up to the delayed victory parade in Moscow this week, he published a closely-argued 10,000-word essay in the National Interest, an American conservative magazine. The main messages are that the West is hypocritically avoiding blame for its part in Hitler's path to war, that the pre-war Soviet pact with the Nazi regime was an excusable necessity, and that the overwhelming Soviet role in the defeat of the Nazis gives the Kremlin now a permanent place at the top table of world politics. Professional historians have excoriated Mr Putin's homework. One reason is that his targets are largely invented. Russia's ex-KGB leader says that Western countries are trying to sweep under the carpet the Munich Agreement of 1938, in which Britain and France colluded in and endorsed Hitler's dismemberment of Czechoslovakia. But the folly and shame of appeasement are central features of the curriculum and the political lexicon in Britain and other countries. Similarly, anyone who remembers or studies the Second World War should know that the bulk of the fighting in Europe was on the Eastern Front. The criticism of the Soviet Union is based on the misdeeds, before, during and after the war, of Mr Putin's predecessor in the Kremlin, Joseph Stalin. The modern Russian leader's treatment of this side of history is euphemistic and selective. The attack on Poland on September 17, 1939, for example, is given this contorted justification. The Soviet Union had been assigned an even larger slice of the country under its deal with Hitler. Yet it also argues that the Soviet occupation of eastern Poland was protective. So, was the intervention bad or good? Moscow is silent. The essay, of course, makes no mention of the terrible fate of that slice of Poland that the Soviet Union gained under the deal with Hitler. This included mass deportations and the murder of 23,000 captured officers at Katyn and elsewhere. The essay claims that the Soviet Union was pursuing its strategic, military, and defensive goals. When it came to the occupation and annexation of the Baltic states in 1939 to 1940, this was apparently in line with international and state law. And the essay also ignores the brutal treatment of the Estonians, Latvians, and Lithuanians. In another context, this might be called gaslighting, making the victims of persecution doubt their sense of sanity. But that is what Putin's doing to the countries that suffered the brunt of Soviet imperialism. Poland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Ukraine and others have no cause for complaint, they should be grateful for their liberators and protectors. In fact, as far as Poland's concerned, Mr Putin argues they should feel guilty for causing the war in the first place. Now, despite his diligent research, Mr Putin's flawed methodology and evident bias means that his offering is unlikely to form the basis of a doctorate at any reputable university. But for political science departments, it does form an interesting text, though perhaps not in the way the Russian leader might like. It highlights the way in which the Great Patriotic War, as it's known in both Soviet and Russian history, is the touchstone of Russian national pride. As in many countries, the farther that the actual events recede into history, the greater the sentiment and bombast attached to them. The Soviet Union was so traumatised in the first post-war decades that anniversaries and veterans gained little attention. Now the victory over Nazism is the centrepiece of the political calendar. Mr Putin's much-publicised essay used that sentiment to rally support for this weekend's referendum on constitutional amendments that would allow him to stay in power until 2036. The other big point, which is the peroration in the essay, is that the war legitimises Russia's modern role in the world. After 1991, Russia inherited, perhaps rather too neatly, the Soviet permanent seat and veto rights on the United Nations Security Council. Mr Putin's been eager for a while to hold a summit with the other big four of that era, Britain, France, China and the United States. Instead of the tiresome rules-based multilateral order, in which small countries have far too large a say, he wants to go back to an era in which great powers make decisions and everyone else accepts them. The problem is that, nuclear weapons aside, modern Russia, with its Italy-sized economy and a population between Bangladesh and Mexico, would have little claim to such a role. But Mr Putin's COD version of history says otherwise. Eastern Europe's history wars echo those going on now in the West over racism and slavery. And, here and there, the only real resolution is truth and honesty. Pride in past triumphs must be matched by shame for misdeeds. And Mr Putin's essay does land some well-deserved punches, among others, on Britain's wince-making and ill-remembered deals with Nazi Germany in 1935, that's the Anglo-German naval agreement, and Imperial Japan in 1939. Fair enough. But Russia should not cry blasphemy when others apply the same yardstick. Knowledge of Soviet crimes, let alone restitution for them, has, to put it mildly, some way to go in Russia. And this is the Russian leadership's underlying problem. Outside Russia, wartime history is no longer seen in simplistic, binary terms. The way in which the Hitler-Stalin Pact paved the way for war and the Holocaust, and the real nature of the Soviet occupation of Eastern Europe, were once historical footnotes. Thanks to historians such as Roger Morehouse, the Devil's Alliance, Tim Snyder, Bloodlands, and Anne Applebaum in Iron Curtain, these are now mainstream. Mr Putin has been particularly enraged by a resolution of the European Parliament that equates Nazism and Communism, That the more he argues against it, the greater the taint of the past. So how to respond? It's tempting to issue a meticulous point-by-point rebuttal. But Putin's aim is not to win an academic argument. It's to stoke a political one, setting the agenda in terms of those slogans about bad Nazis and heroic Russians. And these resonate among those who have no real interest in the historical facts, so producing more historical facts is unlikely to convince them. But as well as legitimising his rule in Russia and Russia's role in the world, the third aim of Putin's history wars is to delegitimize countries that see history differently. And we don't counter that attack with historical footnotes, but with cultural, diplomatic, economic and social success stories here in the present, And their scarcity in Russia right now is one reason that Putin turns to history. This is Edward Lucas with the New Cold War podcast. You can find more about me, my books, and other publications at edwardlucas.com or follow me on Twitter at edwardlucas. This has been a homegrown media production. For more on the New Cold War, please visit edwardlucas.com.